I'm all for women, women lifting up women. And I could have, I truly could have gone down that path of like fight for women and, and, and like throw my heart and soul into that. Um, I still feel like I, that, that is an element of my path for sure. Like women rising and, um, I'm all for that, but I don't want it to be us versus them. Like, I don't want it to be like women are rising because men have oppressed us. And then like, you're over there. Like, I really don't want a world like that. And I don't want a world where it's like, well, when we rise up, we sort of like push you further and further down. Um, my ideal is that we like work together. My ideal is that we rise together and that we evolve and grow and learn together. What's going on, everyone? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Mask Unity Podcast, a space where we unpack all things masculinity and men and men's mental health. And today we have an incredibly special guest to bring you, one that is a part of the brand new partnership that we were able to bring together. Her name is Katrina Shaw. Katrina, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We are excited to bring you into this conversation to get a completely different perspective on the things we talk about. And before we do that, y'all know what time it is. It's Check. Ooh, he bring out the high vibes. You went a little up. You went volume high. I'm listen. We were having mic issues earlier. We're not having mic issues now. That's for sure. Uh, every every week i gotta i gotta i gotta push the gotta push the limits gotta push the <laughs> limits well uh we'll start with katrina how are you today how's your how's your mood how what, how are things going for you um what's what's on your mind honestly i'm feeling really good today um yeah i'm sitting here i can see the river it's sunny out um i'm chatting to you guys i feel good <laughs> great great i will um i'll give it i'll give it to kyle in a second but if you had to explain how you were feeling in, let's say your sensations, what are the sensations that you're feeling today about this conversation? Ooh, we're getting deep now. Hey, oh, yeah. <laughs> therapist. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. How am I feeling? A little, I, probably a little anxious. Like I have a, a, a little bit of that, like butterfly feeling in my, in my chest and stomach. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's excitement too, though. Um, kind of a mix of, of the anxious, excited butterflies. Um, yeah. How else am I feeling? I feel relaxed. Um, despite the, the energy. So, um, there's like an interesting, um, duality there, I guess. Nice. We like to, we like to push past the, the good just to just to see if you can get a little bit deeper and it's cool sometimes where you can you know just by asking twice you know the answers that you can get um it's funny you said that like that little i remember when i was younger i was always felt nerves before like sporting events and i always felt nerves and it was always like i couldn't define it as anything but like nervous um and i had a i had a coach once tell me he was just like you're not nervous you're excited 
And like, or he's like, you know, you care, you know, I like being nervous is good. You care about the outcome. You care about how you do today. And that's, that's a good thing. And just that reframe of taking the word nervous and feeling like it's a negative thing to feel and like that you're like, you know, you shouldn't be feeling it um, and reframing it in, the, in another way was just like, oh, cool. I didn't know that, you know, nervous could actually be a good thing. Like, you know, you know, and, um, Kyle, what about you, my man? How you feeling? I like, I, before I move on, I like that reframe. And I think it's, it speaks to something I posted the other day, which is obviously not going to be in the timing of this podcast, but it was just the uh, idea of building a relationship with those feelings. And I think that nervousness to me feels uncomfy. So I'm like, get it out of here. Like, just go like push it, suppress it, do something with it. So it's no longer there. Uh, but to reframe it as excitement, all of a, almost all of a sudden welcomes it like, Oh, okay. Well, I like this feeling now because I've reframed it in that way. So I really like that. Uh, what's my mood, my mood, check my mood, check my mood, check. I feel similar in the sense of there's like, a, uh, where are we going to go today in this conversation kind of feeling that like slight butterfly that Katrina, you were talking about, and I can feel it in my body of like anticipation, of like, let's get there. Let's go there. I'm excited to see that. And then, you know, Katrina and I are in the same city. So we're both looking out our window, just so thankful for the clear sky and the sun and supposed to be a beautiful day today. So there's also that. Uh, heightened feeling in the body of, uh, I guess, probably excitement and also uh, appreciation, I think, for the sun that we do have. It's been quite rainy here lately. And I have a really busy day ahead. So I can feel the, the feelings in the body to go, to move, to, to get after it, to start and just uh, not stay still. So I can feel that as well. So there's a lot of like moving parts of my body that are, I would say overall giving me a very energized feeling. That's, that's, that's probably my mood. Very energized. And what about you, puppy? What's your mood? Nice. Yeah. I, to piggyback off of the, some of the, the weather comments you guys have both made, I think that summer just kind of adds a little bit of extra, extra juice to the tank. I think, mm -hmm. I, well, I don't know if it's the longer days or, you, you know, you're able to like finish your work day and you still feel like you got so much more time to play and do things. And, you know, it's, uh, I don't know if it's, uh, but I, yeah, I just feel like I've been, I've been engaging in life a lot more, um, because of the weather, the feeling of like, Oh, we don't want to waste a good day. They're so, you know, they're so far and few. So, you know, you force yourself to go out and engage and, you know, outdoor events and things like that. So I'm definitely feeling like, you know, aligned with the world. It's just so sad that, you know, we do have so many dark days, like in terms of like winter and like, you know, it's like, so when you get to the summer, you're like, man, imagine we could live like this forever. Like there's always <laughs> the days were long, sun's always out. Um, Cause it is an, an energy boost and you can feel it in people. You can feel it in the conversations with people. Like everyone just feels so energized and I'm definitely piggybacking off of that. Um, in terms of how I feel today and in this moment, um, I feel excited to learn, you know, I feel excited to learn. I think that me and Kyle are um, people who have gravitated to this space in a very organic life way. And you've gravitated to this space in a professional setting, right? Like you've made decisions to be in this space professionally. And I think that unfolding and un packaging all of that gives me a lot of excitement to see what it looks like if like me and Kyle went down this route, maybe more professionally. And you were like, okay, so this is how someone professionally was thinking about it. This is how we thought about it from like a creative standpoint, how do those worlds bleed together? Are they the same problems? Are they different problems? Um, so I'm just, yeah, I'm really excited about the conversation. Um, I'm grateful and uh, thankful that, you know, uh, there's people like you who will come up on this platform and share their wisdom and share their knowledge. So, you know, there's a, there's a feeling of gratitude as well um, in my body. And um, yeah, I'm excited for the conversation. Incredible. 
So yes. if you're listening at home, mood check, mood check time. Please check in with your mood, your sensations. You know how we do here. So let's get into the conversation. Katrina, thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate it. And we're going to get into hopefully some incredible topics that really just unpack what we what we focus on here, which is the concept of masculinity. Uh, but before we do that, obviously, the people are like, okay, who is this person? Who is Katrina? Why did you bring her on? So first and foremost, we'd love you to just take the mic and explain to our audience, who is Katrina? Who is Katrina Shaw? Oh, man, I'm very like, um, conscious now. I think that was a good probe this morning. Um, of deepening beyond good. I think I can easily when I'm on the spot be like, yeah, yeah, things are good. Um, and it's, I, I mean, even I'm conscious of this question of like, who am I? Um, you know, I think I could spout off like professionally who I am and, and, um, just, yeah, these are things and I'm a psychologist, but, um, I just want to be mindful of not, not doing that. So thank you for kind of uh, challenging me on that piece. Um, so who am I? Uh, I mean, obviously, yes, professionally, I'm a registered psychologist here in Alberta. Um, I, I feel like I kind of have, um, two sides to myself. I have like a very, um, intellectual, um, sort of, you know, go the, go the practice route kind of way, but then I also have a very like creative spiritual part of myself. And so, um, I think in my practice, I tend to attract a lot of people that, um, are looking for something more in their life. So, I, you know, I, I've kind of gone down the path of like training in breath work and Reiki and yoga and all of those pieces. So I, I have training in all those elements. And then, and then obviously like the, the, um, psychology route and getting licensed as a psychologist, but I think I tend to attract more of the people that are like in the like creative, spiritual, um, let's find some meaning and depth in this life, which is kind of ironic seeing as <laughs> I have a hard time answering that when I'm put on the spot. Um, so yeah, I, I think professionally that's, that's me. Um, personally, I, I love being in the mountains, um, massive water baby, love being in the water. Um, yeah like to laugh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is where the awkward part of me. <laughs> <laughs> I love this question. And I think that, you know, we do with this with every guest, right? We're like, who are you? And you're not obviously alone in the struggle of people trying to understand how to express this. And I think Anwar and I would do the same if we were to be asked the question back of who are you and to talk about self, especially in you know, the society that we live in, it feels definitely odd and awkward and weird. And it's something that we don't practice. We don't share. It's more about just credentials and work experience and our purpose and what we're giving back to the world. It feels like there's this pressure, right? So I appreciate the, the candidness around that awkwardness. Uh, something that I, I maybe a reframe here, I think is helpful is if you had to, to describe yourself uh, in three words, what three words would you use? Tender, fierce, whole. Mm. Yeah. Okay. It feels like you just, you wrote that down before we got on this call. Like you were more ready for that than I anticipated, <laughs> but the contrast, I don't, know why I, was ready. I don't know why I was ready for that. <laughs> I love it though. It, it tells me that the question was, was 
was needed and wanted without knowing it and like to go <laughs> tender right to fierce like right out of the gate uh wasn't was in, incredible uh i appreciate that framing um one thing that i i think that we haven't discussed is i think i kind of sort of mentioned at the beginning but we met Katrina through men's league, right? So men's league is our partner now. And so if you don't mind sharing a bit of like what got you into men's league specifically, but more importantly, like what was the steps to getting you there? Cause I think men's league is where you're currently at. You're heavily invested in that space now, but there's a, there's a journey that kind of leads up to that. That also leads into your uh, registered psychology experience. And there was some things that you kind of got into as you got in that process that we've spoken about, but uh, if you could, um, Give a little bit more context to your journey towards where you are now with men's league. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it goes back a little bit. Um, I guess you know there was there was sort of like a an, a profound experience that I had that played out. I guess over like the last decade, I'd say. So when I was doing my undergrad um, in my final year, I had a friend um, take his life, um, and then I had. Uh, my, and then my dad passed away um, from cancer. And so in that year, um, obviously it was, it, it sort of catapulted me into like some, some dark days, um, years actually. Um, but what the experience of loss did for me was sort of break down everything that I, around me. And it kind of forced me to evaluate like what really mattered in life. Um, I kind of went into a very existential place of like, we die young, um, our life can be taken from us at any time. Okay, let me rephrase that. We don't die young, but we can die young. Um, the, the possibility is that we can we can lose our life, um, our physical life early on. Um, so in that space where I, I, I was grieving, I was like, really evaluating what, what matters to me, it sort of shifted the trajectory of where I thought my psychology career was going. Um, so I had all these ideas of what I wanted to do. And then, um, and then it shifted more to, I wanted to support people in, in grief and loss. Um, I was sort of every day holding this, um, again, with the word duality, I don't know why that's coming up today, but, uh, life and death. Like it was just there, like, and I was like really touched by grief because it's a problem that no one can escape. Like it's a problem in our life or an experience, maybe, maybe an experience is a better word that we'll all face at some point. So there's like a, um, there's an element that like connects us all in grief and loss. Um, unlike any other thing that we'll experience, um, we won't, you know, not all of us will go through divorce or those kinds of things, but we will all experience losing a loved one. So I think that that thread of connection to humanity is the thing that like was the most fascinating to me and the thing that like uh, sort of led me down the path of grief and loss. So essentially as that evolves, then I, I was working specifically in um, suicide bereavement for a couple of years where I was supporting families that had lost people to suicide and I had a bit of like a, um, shock, like a, I guess like a moment where just like, it was like a sobering moment when I realized the majority of 
the losses that that I was sitting with people in were a man, were to um, a man. Um, there was a few females that had taken their lives, but the majority of the people that I was supporting were suffering the loss of a male. And so, yeah, I just had this weird moment one day where I was like, how are we not doing more to address this? Like truly, how are we not doing more to address the suffering that's going on? Um, so I had gone on a bit of a venture myself to like, um, start a men's mental health initiative. Um, but I'm, I met a lot of hurdles with that. And like, I think I was explaining to you guys, um, that like, if I was out at like a bar or restaurant and like a guy found out I was a psychologist sitting next to me at the table, like they would like dump the whole soul at me. Like they're like, you know, here's this and this and this and this. And like, they would open up in a very like fluid, it was like non-confrontational. But as soon as I, as soon as I tried to like ask men to, if I could like sit with them and like pick their brain a little, wanted to like get some feedback as I was going on this venture, it was like, I, I couldn't even get a coffee. Like no one would sit with me as soon as it was more like of a formal thing. Or if, I think there was like a, um, well, how are you going to use this information? And so like <laughs> no one <laughs> would sit with me. It became like almost an impossible feat, um, which was a really interesting experience for me. I was like, but last week you told me all your things. Um, <laughs> you know, it was so, it was so interesting. So then just kind of that, like, um, I, I had to learn a lot in my own like healing and grief journey, but I just had to learn to let go of things and, and trust that they'll come back to me. So I set a very like conscious intention of like, men are important to me. I still want to be part of this, um, of their healing. I still want to be part of like the solution to their well-being. Um, and then I was like, I just have to let it go for now. Um, and I think the right ideas or, or people will come back to me for this to like kind of come to fruition. So then that is exactly what happened. Um, few fast forward a few years later, I've been like building my private practice and all that kind of stuff. I'm still very mindful of, of, um, men. So I tend to attract a lot of men to my clients. I don't know, just energetically I'll put that out there, but, um, yeah. So then Derek and Fabian, um, with men's league, they, I had just saw a post on, on Instagram and I know Derek through my best friend, she worked at Husky with him and stuff. So there was some like awareness I had been following Derek for just you know how you are you're kind of connected to people um so he had posted something and I just commented and was like this is so great like I love what you're doing and and I like I had no expectations of anything I just said this is wonderful and then he came back and was like hey um can I like pick your brain a little like you're a psychologist and can I sit with you and honestly it just evolved from there like there was no anticipation for me to be involved really. Um, and then it just kind of grew over the last, I guess, two and a half years with the three of us have been building this and, um, building content and building a concept and a vision and all those things. And then now here we are, um, you know, we're kind of a couple of weeks away from opening our first therapy clinic, um, specifically for men and tailored to, to men's issues and, and, um, really with the hope of like breaking down the stigma for men and, and helping them to have a space that they can go and 
get some support in, in whatever way we need to. So mm. we are. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Yeah. yeah I, felt like, I felt like that, uh, that question really opened up uh, your background quite a bit and gave, you know, the audience a good little peek into, you know, the trajectory of how you kind of got into what you were getting into and, I wanted to circle back on, you know, um, your work with, uh, you know, families who are suffering with, with suicide. I think that, you know, we had this, this stat that we talk about here, you know, the one in every, every one in every three, you know, man will commit suicide. And it's a stat that, you know, is kind of burnt into our brains, uh, you know, is, 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 is the why almost, you know, in, in, in a sense, and to actually be on the ground and feel it in person, you know, someone who's actually working with people and actually can feel that it just, it just makes that stat come to life. I think that, you know, we're numb to stats. Sometimes we see stats and we, you know, we go, that's shocking and alarming, but what are we going to do about it kind of thing? But to actually have been in there working and seeing that, that, that stat in real life. Um, I think it's just, it just, just kind of reinstills the the value of this conversation and, and the value of the work that you're doing. So, you know, really appreciate you for doing all that work. We wanted to kind of get into a little bit of a guess about, you know, your work itself and, and what you actually do. I think that like us as people, we've now in the digital world with information, we like to assume we know what people do. But, you know, we read a title, we Google someone, oh, yeah, I know what that person doing. We dismiss it. I actually want you to, like, describe what is psychology in your world? Like, what what is psychology? For the people who just think that they know what psychology is, like, what is your job? Like, exactly. Why would you de- how would you define it? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think there's so many ways that therapy looks. Like, truly, um, if you if you know anything about the world, there's a lot of theoretical orientations that you can work from. My personal opinion is that all paths lead to Rome. I, I truly believe that they, you know, it's all coming back to like a core, a core place. Um, but you're going to have somebody who practices more like cognitive and they're like challenging, you know, beliefs and how those inform behaviors and, and like negative thinking patterns and all that. And you're going to have people that are working more with like emotion um, you know, how has this impacted you or, or affected you? Um, there's like body work. So more like somatic stuff, which is like, um, how does our body like hold trauma? Where, where is it in our body? It's interesting that you had brought up sensations. That's like a fundamental piece of my practice. Um, you know, I kind of poked at you there for being a therapist. Um, but it's, yeah, that's, that's a fundamental piece of like, how do we get to know like what's actually happening in our body and what we're feeling. So, that's kind of like the, this like broad stroke of like, there's, there's so many theories, um, and how therapists work, um, kind of depends on their own theory of change. So for me, I, I'm a very like humanistic person just by nature. I'm like, we are in this, in this life, we are human beings and we are like going to make mistakes. We have to make mistakes. We have to experience like suffering and pain because they're again, and maybe this is the duality is that like, if we don't struggle, then we can't actually experience like joy. We can't get to a place of like, um, you know, feeling pleasure and fullness and light. If we haven't like felt the lows, because essentially it's the, it's the duality that gives us the intensity of those experiences. If we're just like all chilling and we're all like, yeah, I'm good all the time. Like we don't, there's nothing to be like, wow, like I've like climbed my way out of darkness. And then like, now I feel good. And now I feel like profound gratitude and things. So 
I come from a very like humanistic perspective. Um, so when I sit with people, I'm like truly trying to understand like the narrative that they have experienced. Um, like, what have you experienced and how, how have you interpreted that? And what is your perception of what's happened to you? And it doesn't matter what, you know, other people have said, your parents, you're this, you're that. What, what has your experience been? And I mean, that's, that's an evolving process. Um, one of my like mentors or trainers or teachers in, in when I was doing some trauma training was she always said, we're like getting in the muck. And I love that because we're, we are kind of just getting in the muck. We're mucking about and we're like, where, where are we going? You know, it's, it's like an evolving collaborative process in how I work. Um, because the more that I can understand what you've experienced, um, the more I help you to understand and verbalize that, um, it kind of informs everything. So it informs us like of, you know, is there shame that you don't know that you're holding on to? Is there beliefs that you didn't even know were there that kind of are guiding elements of your behavior or how you show up in the world? Are there like insecurities? Um, have you even learned to like listen to the wisdom of like emotion or the wisdom of the body and how do we reconnect like mind, body, soul kind of thing. And I, and I don't mean that in a fluffy way, but like truly we can, we live in a world that's like so intellectual, that's so heady. That's like, you just think your way out of a problem. And I'm like, okay, well, that's great, but your body's still feeling something. So if we have like a connection to that, then we can use that wisdom. Um, it's going to inform things like boundaries and limits and needs and desires and wants and like all these elements that are important in how we exist in relationship and how we like pursue the things that like truly matter so there's like this like core place that's like getting to know ourselves so that it like can like web out into the world of like all the other things that we're doing um rather than trying to do the right thing or what people think we should do or like it's like no what like let's come back to your soul, like in your heart and your fire and your all that. And like, what matters to you and how do you actually experience that in this life? I love that. Just, just broad stroke of kind of what you do. Cause it's so complex and it just shows how, you know, how much information and, and knowledge and intention that you need to have on a day-to-day -day basis to navigate all those different avenues, right? Like there's just so many different ways and, you know, maybe someone has a better way of explaining the experience, but can't explain the emotion. So you got to go the experience route to show the emotion and you kind of have to, it's just like, like long, it's kind of this different car ride. You got to figure out, okay, where are we starting? Where are we going? And how can I let you tap into something that you never experienced before? Um, I wanted to bleed that kind of, you know, overall example of what psychology is to like a very potent question and like what problems do you think are more potent in the men's space like what are you seeing in your work that big broad stroke where you're like when i sit down with men these are the problems and these are the things that are alarming um and these are the things that you know i think that we need to hopefully rectify um with true action I mean, I mentioned shame. I think shame is, is a fundamental piece that I see a lot. Um, sort of a core, core emotion that exists that hasn't ever been like processed or understood or like brought to light because I think men have just been told to like stuff their emotion away. Right. So I think, I think shame is, is a fundamental like human 
human um, experience, but I think it, it may show up in a different way for men just simply because men haven't had the space or been taught to express emotion really at all. Um, and so there's like this internalized shame that gets like sort of re reaffirmed throughout the whole course of your life. Like if you cry or you like express something, then there's like, there's like a shame that follows that. Right. So there's, I think with, with men, there's this like disconnection from emotion that sort of re it perpetuates shame through the course of their whole life. And then it's like, how do you, how do you actually learn to express and like be connected to that human experience of emotion, like in partnership, like in your relationship, let's say, or like in business, like how do you appropriately express something without it then eliciting a shame response? And that's the, like, I think the trap that men are in really is that like, they go, they go and like try to be vulnerable, but then the shame is going to come again because it's, it's just not really welcomed. Um, or- when, when you use this word, there's, I think there's a few words that I'm hearing that are kind of interweaving themselves into the conversation, shame, emotion. There's also a larger conversation about like guilt versus shame and the difference between those two. I think that for me, when I got into this space um, as a man, I didn't understand shame. I still, even I'm still processing the concept of it and the difference between feeling guilty about my actions versus feeling shame towards myself. Uh, and that's kind of the reframe that I had to come to. Can you describe um, what you believe shame to be? Yeah. So just for the listeners, if they're, if they're not like aware, so guilt comes more with like, I've done something bad, you know, like I am guilty because of X, like I, I feel like I did a bad thing. Um, shame is more like I am bad. The message of shame is like, there's something inherently bad or wrong or not good about me. So shame is like prevalent in our society because we live in a society that has messaging everywhere. We're inundated with messaging that we're not good enough. We're not inherently good. So how those messages get internalized from young, from our young age into adulthood is like, there's something bad about me or wrong with me. And that, that essentially is the experience or that is sort of in a a simple, um, simple terms, shame. However, how it shows up can be like almost like sneaky, Uh, like for lack of a better word, like it can be, you, you can think that you're like pretty confident person, you know, had a loving childhood. This is something that I hear a lot is like, people will sort of recount their lives and be like, well, like I had a good life, like, you know, and I feel pretty good and like had support. Um, But again, that's sort of like the intellectualization of like looking back over your life and you're like, well, yeah, like objectively you probably did have a good life. Um, But that doesn't mean that you haven't experienced things where you didn't, where you felt like you were a bad person or you were, you know, not good enough. And so I like to help people understand this by like going back to like a child. Like if you imagine, like they don't have the cognitive ability like we do as adults to be like, oh, well, that's not about me. Or like, oh, well, my parent means well, but like didn't communicate that well. Right. A kid just experiences something 
in the moment for, and like internalizes everything. Their, their cognitive development is not there to like make sense of it. And so if a parent is like, says, let's say to a man, like a little boy is like, boys don't cry. You know, that's, there is shame right there. Like if you cry, you're not a boy, or if you cry, you're a bad boy. Or, you know, so like when you look at the, it from a developmental perspective, that becomes an internalized message of like, well, I'm a boy and I'm not supposed to cry. So if I cry, what does that mean? You know, and that's where Mm -hmm. shame is a sort of imprinted in within ourselves. And so fast forward as men, can you guys intellectualize and be like, yeah, well, like my parents had that belief. Sure. But like, are you connected to the, how that, that shame plays out in maybe again, sneaky ways? Does it show up as like an insecurity? Does it show up as like anger? Like you get defensive if someone like challenges you. Does it show up as like, you want to hide when you cry or you won't let anyone in if you have an emotion, like you hide away in your room and like, you know, or you go binge drink or do drugs to like mask it or whatever it is. Right. So like, it's going to show up in your behavior in some way. And I think a big part of like the therapeutic process is like helping you understand how have the, how have those early messages or early experiences informed what happens now in, in adulthood and how do you work through that so that you can then like show up in a healthier manner. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Okay. Without a doubt. I, I, right before you said it too, I was thinking about my past and where shame may have arisen where I didn't realize. And it's like you said, it's in those little tiny sneaky nuances of phrases or some sort of direct communicative uh, representation of something I did, or I might feel, or I might be expressing. And for me, the example was, you know, boys don't cry, but it didn't come as, you know, hey, like, why are you crying? Boys don't cry. It was don't be a pussy. And I remember distinctly a few memories in my younger years of being told that of like, oh, like you're fine. Don't be a pussy. And I didn't recall those experiences as possibilities of shame. Uh, I didn't, it didn't connect that way. It was just, oh, well, of course he said that, like, that's was his past. And that's what he believed. Like I can logically understand why he said that, but it's harder for me to connect to that version of me and process what he was thinking. And we, we've been doing some work together Anwar and I around like the inner child concept and trying to go back and talk to younger versions of ourselves and understand their emotions and uh, to look back on that experience. Um, I would have just internalized that as, um, I am likely not going to be some sort of like man or masculine presence if I am crying or if I, if I express or show hurt for a few moments, like I'm physically hurt because, well, he just Charlie horsed me in the knee. Like, you know, like I can't show that because that's what be the times. So it was just a good reflection for me um, to just understand where there might be a pocket of shame. So I really appreciate that representation and that expression. Yeah, I'll I'll maybe just share something quick here just for the listeners because it's quite fascinating. So we have a lot of research now. We used to think that like things that happened pre-verbal, like before you had like language, you that you didn't remember them. And so we we used to sort of in science believe that like babies just didn't remember that and it didn't have an impact on you. We now have like there's like extensive research in the trauma world about um 
the imprints that happen in the body, especially pre-verbal, they're the most like impactful. So I've done, I've done some deep diving myself. Um, I'm an identical twin. So I have a, I was, and I was two months premature. So I spent two months in an incubator and a lot of the, so I've, you know, the therapeutic world is really fascinating because there's a lot, a lot of work you can do. And then the reason that I sort of gravitated to some of the deeper healing, like energy healing or breath work or, you know, psychedelic spaces is, um, just a desire to understand what happens with like, without cognition, like pre-verbal. So even the experience of like a baby being in an incubator, you have to understand that like, so by nature, we're expected to like have that skin to skin contact to like be held, to be protected. Like there's, there's science around that, like how you develop a secure attachment and, and all that kind of thing. What happens to a baby that's like just left, like essentially in a box is that like the internalized experience there is like, I'm bad. Like I'm not loved. No one's here to hold me. I'm. And so I often help like educate my clients on there's things that happen that we don't think affect us, but even that is going to create an an early, early experience of shame. It's going to exist somewhere in my life. You know what I mean? And so the, the healing can go very deep, which is really kind of cool. I mean, I don't think a lot of people are going to necessarily think that at first, but therapy can be really fascinating and all these, all these like different branches of therapy and how we access like parts of ourselves can, can become almost like a really adventurous process. I mean, it's not always easy, but to me, it's become quite fascinating to learn um, how things have like touched me or affected me and how it's sort of like led me to today. So I just wanted to like plant that seed for, for some listeners that like, it doesn't have to be a conscious thing. It doesn't have to be like, I have to like go digging for some reason about why I'm struggling in my adult life. Like there could be reasons of why you're having struggles or why you're experiencing shame or whatever it is that is pre-verbal, you know? And I mean, obviously if people come from trauma, like that's going to have a, have a significant impact, even if you don't remember it. Um, so yeah, just like being mindful of like those people that sort of dismiss it and they're like, well, I had a good life and da, da, da. I'm like, yeah, but there's still reason to, that you're going to have struggle. It's just probably you don't, you haven't like understood the impact of, of how these things can affect us early early on in our lives. So something that Anwar and I both deeply value in our lives is personal development and not just talking the talk, but also walking the walk which is one of the fundamental reasons why we created this podcast is to support you in having the tough conversations and then feeling confident and safe to take new action with this new knowledge. So what we've decided to do to support you in this is we've partnered with Men's League, a men's mental health platform whose biggest focus is to make a systemic shift in how we view what being a man is and what masculinity entails. Their mission is to provide a diverse group of like-minded men with a support system surrounding their mental health, their physical health, their financial aptitude, and their personal relationships. Men's League is a space where you commit to improving yourself. You commit to improving your mental health and becoming a better man. So what does Men's League offer? Well, let's get into it. First and foremost, they're a private community for men 
which includes a chat forum and also monthly Zoom calls where you come together, discuss a topic, and you just partake in conversation with other men. I've taken part in so many of those. They're one of my favorite things. Mental health check-ins. So this is huge. This is unlimited 45-minute sessions with mental health professionals. Incredible. You always have that help at your access. Discounted one-on-one and group coaching services, a whole mental health resource library to help you manage your day-to-day and real-life issues. Exclusive membership offers. This is cool. They have discounts for men's clothing and health products. And this is my personal favorite part because I've partaken in it a lot, is professionally made online self-development courses that you can take at your own pace. They're always available to you. And they'll help you with your relationships, your physical health, and your financial aptitude. So if you're looking to get involved, we in Men's League are excited to offer you a 50% off of your first year membership. To do, to join the league, go ahead and click that link in the bio or go to mensleague.com and don't forget to enter a promo code MODERNMASK50 and get access to everything they have to offer. Men, we see you, we hear you, and we are standing tall beside you in this arena of misunderstood masculinity. I think the topic of shame is um, it's quite interesting because uh, like Kyle said, it, does, it doesn't, it's not the first thing you think of when you think of like the struggles that you're dealing with as a man. It's, it's you know, I think that there's some, some of them, there's some that are out there that we know, you know, that are the disconnect with our emotions um, and that, you know, men are somewhat aware of that. I think that we're, um, we're aware that, you know, we tend to leverage like feelings like anger versus feelings like sad. You know, there's some of that literature that's out there that like men can connect with right away pretty easily. But like shame is like something that's like abstract almost, you know, it's almost like, it's almost earth shattering. Like, whoa, I didn't think shame would be a reason why I'm acting this way. Um, what about, I know we talked about, you know, shame is a, is a big part of the conversation. What about receiving love? I know that we had a big conversation about that as well that I wanted to kind of dive into a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I think these pieces all come together. Um, so there's a, there's like, there's work in therapy. I'm trying to think of how, what's the best way to sort of teach about this. Um, so we have all these different parts to us, um, essentially like, you know, and, and how you can experience that or see that in like day-to-day life is like, you know, when you're with like your solid people, you might be more of like your funny, like outgoing, easygoing part comes out when you're like in a, you know, stressful, awkward business conversation, you might be more of like the reserved, like a more like quiet part of you is it comes out like, and this is, these are like the, I'm trying to put this more in like lay terms. There's like, we have protector parts. We have like manager parts. We have all these parts that are going to sort of like manage anxiety, manage shame, um, those kinds of things, they, they'll kind of drive the bus depending on, on the circumstance. So if we have like internalized experiences of shame, let's say, or, um, insecurity that has developed because of that, or other hurt that hasn't been resolved, let's say like betrayal or, um, things like that, what's going to happen is like, there's going to be like a little part that develops that essentially like wants to keep you small, wants to keep you like um, not exposed, wants to keep you. That's essentially Shane's goal is like 
we want to keep you small, hidden, not exposed, don't be vulnerable, like never let anybody in. You can see how these beliefs sort of develop when people have like experiences of rejection and all that kind of stuff. So when that part of you or that piece or that becomes so strong and so intense and you haven't like had any reconciliation with it or any, like we don't even really have awareness of it. It essentially becomes like a physical block to receiving love. Like there's, there will be sort of an inherent belief about like, I'm not worthy of this. Um, or, uh, I don't deserve this or those kinds of things. So it can be, or you're afraid of it. Like a lot of fear to like receive love. Cause does this mean I can get hurt again or someone can hurt me again? So when we think about it, those emotions that sort of like get imprinted become blocks. They become physical blocks because it's doing everything it can to protect you. Um, you know, it's, it doesn't want you to be vulnerable. Somebody doesn't want you to let love in and it wants you to feel small and hidden. So this is where like the work can become really profound because you realize how like our unresolved emotion sort of gets in our own way. It gets in the way of like the things that we want, the things that we truly desire, the things that are like worth taking a risk for. And it can keep us feeling stuck our whole life. And I mean, this comes into like receiving, I think, in all accounts, like receiving good things, like good opportunities, attracting good people, receiving love from like a partner or friends or family. Um financial like abundance or wellness right like I think even there's a lot of people now talking in the space of like um if you don't feel like you're worthy or deserving of financial abundance or there's a part of you that doesn't essentially it can like sabotage all opportunities that come for you to like truly flourish so it's interesting because there's like these little navigators inside it's kind of like the movie inside out truly is brilliant um if you've seen it um you know, anger comes in and like shuts down everything else. <laughs> the guy driving the bus and like, yeah, that's like shame, right? It can get in the way of everything positive of allowing everything in. Hmm. Receiving love has always been an interesting topic for me. So I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about it. Uh, I would also like to maybe understand it more from, um, uh, I guess like a really, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to use the word simple. Cause I don't think you gave a complex answer, but what do we even mean by like receiving love? Like when you work with your clients and we're, and you recognize that receiving love is a challenge. I think that I never really saw it that way. I just, I just said, well, I'm in a relationship. So I feel like I'm just receiving love or I have a family. So of course I'm receiving love. Um, but what, how would you like express or communicate to your clients, regardless of, of who they are, um, what this kind of concept of receiving love is or looks like, or even maybe even feels like, like how would we even know that there's a block there? Yeah. So this, I, I, I'm not sure I can give a simple answer because it is complex, but let me see if I can simplify it. Um, so a perfect example of how it might show up for men is like a, um, like a relational dynamic. So, Let's say, I'm trying to think of how to best communicate this. So like internal dialogue would be a a good way that this shows up. Like we often, many of us have like negative self-talk. We're, again, we're sort of conditioned 
to do this. And I'm, I'm not sure why we don't like, it's kind of like, there's, it's almost like a belief. Well, like it's almost like, Oh, well you're arrogant. If you think you're wonderful or something, I don't know. So it's like, you always put yourself down. Um, you're never good enough, but then yeah, anyways, we all do this. So like negative self-talk, if you're really in, in like a spiral of like not feeling worthy or not feeling good, or again, like if shame is, is um, somewhere there, um, then like somebody could be, it, it changes your lens. It's sort of like the concept of like beer goggles. Like if somebody's like being loving and kind to your partner's like giving you compliments, you're just like deflecting them. You're like, like in your head, you're like, whatever, you know, it doesn't, no, I'm like a fat, like whatever piece of shit or like you, in your head, you got your own thing going on. You're not even like seeing that you have a partner, let's say that's like loves you and, you know, wants to be close to you and all these things. So there's, there's like an element of like, you can't even see it for what it is because the emotional experience is taking over. And that's maybe one way that, to sort of simplify how you can kind of block or like not even see clearly what's there. Like you, you, you kind of like, yeah, it's like that metaphor of like rose colored glasses versus like, I don't know, like dark shady glasses. (laughs) You're kind of seeing the world in a dark way. You're seeing yourself in a dark way. So you can't even see the positive around you. You can't see the good things coming in, nor can you like feel them. And so where it becomes complex is like, how do we actually move you to a place where you can feel them? Because it's probably not going to be comfortable. Like I'll be mm-hmm. frank, if you've never been able to receive that or feel that it's not going to be comfortable for you to like be vulnerable and let someone in. And, you know, from, I don't want to get too theoretical here, but like, there's like attachment elements of that. Um, there's like self-beliefs elements of that. There's like unresolved emotion elements of that or trauma or pain so there's like elements that depending on what's, what sort of led you to that place that we would work on, but that's essentially the journey. It's like, how do we get you to a place where you're okay to sort of stretch your limits of comfort? Like we're not going to just like shove you in the deep end and be like, get go home and let your wife like stroke your back and do whatever. Da, da, da. Like that's not going to happen. We're not going to get you there. It's like, we're dipping one toe in the pool. Like what is one thing that like, we can like expand the tolerance to like let someone in a little. And then like, we're dipping like a leg in the pool. And then we're like going in the shallow end with water wings. And then we're like, you know, eventually we'll be swimming in the deep end maybe, but like it, it is like a very like gradual process of how do we expand your tolerance to receive when like, it's going to feel uncomfortable if you've never done it. It's going to feel foreign to you. And I think just like to, to kind of add to Kyle's point there, you know, for me, how that's kind of shown up is just like this, like, um, and it's something I actively try to work on now is this idea of trying to actually celebrate a, a small win, you know, and like the fact that we're so predicated and focused on the big goal and that like, we don't care that we just accomplished something that was impossible for us at one point. Um, and then we're like, oh, but we're trying to go over there. So this doesn't really matter. Like this little feat here doesn't matter. This is, you know, a regular season when we're trying to win the playoffs, you know? So it's like this idea that you're constantly in your mind about, um, I'll receive love when I get to the finish line and anything in between here and there doesn't really, doesn't really matter, you know? Um, 
and it's a it's it's a serious block because you know to the point of going back to you know where this conversation originally started from this idea of life is short if you just don't receive until the finish line then life is extremely short right like it's uh you're really postponing your ability to even enjoy life uh in the short term um so yeah it's a massive conversation so I did, I like that you touched on the fact that it is a journey of receiving love. You know, it's not something that you can just receive right away. Cause I know actively, like if I was in the therapist's room today, this would be something that we have to, we would have to address the, the receiving love. Like, I know that that's an internal problem for me. That is, that's something that compliments. I just, I can feel it in my physical body. I can't like it. I, I can physically, and because I'm so I'm more of a body sensation person. Like I feel like I've always been able to feel like things don't align with me or if someone says something, I'm either really passionate about it or really dismissive about it. So I've always been able to feel my challenge in life has always been like being able to express how I feel and actually wanting to express it and looking at the world and being like, I don't think I can say that. Even though I know that to be true for me, I don't know if I want to say that out loud because I don't want to deal with the consequences. So I know receiving love is a weird thing for me. It's like, like compliments and people saying, you know, I'm proud of you and you're good at that. And it's just never really, never really landed. And I know that, you know, where I want to ascend to where I want to go in life, you know, being a father and being a husband, I'm going to need to work on some of that ability to receive, you know, weirdly enough, it's been easy for me to like love children and like love kids. It's always people that are like of my age or in my like range that I can't receive it from, but like kids I love, it's easy for me down, you know, at that, that level. But um, in terms of, kind of shifting the conversation from, you know, women have do a great job of receiving love and giving love, you know, almost the opposite, right? Um, masculine and feminine energy, you know, I think that it's, it's, it's a cool segue because of how the difference in even the receiving love and giving love. What are some of the like, I love this conversation because I think that we as men need a lot more, you know, feminine energy and we need to balance it. Every, every person should have both and we should exercise both. And they did, they have labels and we almost like reject the other label because of what it's called. But talk to me about the power of being able to synergetically bring these two worlds together and how you've been able to do it in your practice um, in terms of like helping men see that the feminine energy is actually something that they, they need to endure and be able to like have in order to be living, a, live a fulfilled life. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. I've been talking a lot about sort of like the masculine and feminine energies, um, how we support one another, but then like the integration of, of both in our, within ourselves. Um, I think you made an interesting comment, like women are, how do you say it? Women are like better at like receiving love or, or giving love. And I think that's only because we've been like, we have, we have sort of an inherent like mother nurturing complex. Um, not all of us, not, not all women. Um, and I think, you know, we sort of been socialized where it's, it's more appropriate, right? Like, um, I guess when you look at like the traditional like roles of like what we, how we've been socialized, it's like men are the providers and women are the nurturers. So I think there's been permission for that. Um, I think we're seeing a shift now, you know, women becoming more, more of like stepping into like more of that masculine type energy of like, you know, building careers and being providers or, or, um, breadwinners or, um, you know, taking on some of those more like traditional masculine type qualities or energies. Um, and then I think there's, 
you know, we can look at this of like, how do we, how do we bring the nurturer out in men? And, and when we look at that, like in fatherhood or, um, you know, with their, with their partners or, um, even with their buddies, but I think we're, we're probably less likely to see it there because there's some like camaraderie of like the masculine going on. But I, I think it's like, how do we access more of that like nurturing type energy or that like gentler, um, more aware, uh, more receptive type energy. And um, I want to be very conscious of like this space we're in, you know, with people who don't identify as, as male or female. So I want to, I want to keep the energy more. I want to keep the conversation more about like the energy of masculine and feminine. And, and um, there's like, so if we, if we keep it there, I think the masculine is more like the doing energy and the feminine is more like the receiving energy, like the more receptive type energy. And so I think it's like that balance of, and we can see this everywhere. Like we can hit the, the gas pedal and go hundred miles an hour. If we're like working hard on a new business. I mean, I'm kind of in that right now. That's like more of the masculine type energy, but I got to be able to like balance that with like, how am I like taking a moment to pause and like be mindful and take care of myself and listen to myself and like nurture my own body in that. So like within myself, I, there's like this, you know, how do you balance the receptivity and the doing? And I think if we talk about it like that, hopefully we can keep this in a very like respectful, integral space of the conversation. Um, but yeah, I think that, that that's probably like, maybe women have, have transitioned a little easier into the like doing actually, maybe that's not fair. I don't know. It's been quite a battle for women. So maybe I shouldn't say that. Um, but women are, are, are stepping into that power of like the, the doing energy. And so now I think potentially it's like men being like, where do we slow down a little, you know, where do we like acknowledge a pause? Where do we like reconnect? Um, and again, that doesn't mean you have to have like a bubble bath. Like that's, that's not, it doesn't mean that, right? Like, I think that men can interest it can sort of internalize that. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not doing that fluffy stuff or whatever it is, but I think it's more energetic. It's more like, can you just slow down for a second and just like pause and like see the world around you, see the people around you, see the people in your life. Um, yeah. To give, to give some like context on how that, um, that actually, like, if you just look at like, we are shifting gears, right? We are, the world is changing. And I, and I know that it's, it's, it's even, it's, it's, it's like harder for us to even have conversations right now because of like how we're trying to be so sensitive about everything that's going on and all that kind of stuff. One thing that I, I want to acknowledge is that maybe we can in the future, hopefully we can change the way it's, it's it, like the word masculine and feminine, and we can change those two words, but they, they do stand for something, you know, like as a, as, as a way of just being able to speak clearly, it, it just stands for something. A, a prime example of, of even, you know, you know, women stepping into their, you know, the, 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 the liberation, the, 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 the boss, if you just look at the reception of that, right? Like look online, you'll see a woman who's achieving boss status, doing all these things. Look at the comment section. 
it is like insane. All the people that are in there, her friends going like, you're the best, you're this, you're that, you're blah, 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 blah. Like even just when they are stepping into that light, they're getting like this crazy level of like support and encouragement and all of these things, because like, that's just how that, that, that energy operates. Like you go and do something good, go do it. Flip that around a guy achieving some of the same similar things. His guys aren't coming in the comment section being like, that's my guy. Let's go. Like, it's not like that. It's quiet, even though they're maybe ripping the same, like, you know, they're achieving the exact same thing. It's just quieter for guys, you know? And it's just, that's the part that like, I'm like, though I really want to live in this, like, let's not like ruffle feathers and stuff like that. The reality is, is that like, it is extremely quiet in the world of men. Like when you're, it's almost expected for you to achieve those things. And that's the pressure. That is the mental struggle. It's like me accomplishing stuff is expected. And it's, it's, it's not at the expense of encouragement throughout the way. It's not at the expense of, you know, it's okay. You can put it down. It's not at the expense of you can take your foot off the damn gas pedal. It's put that shit to the freaking floor and don't yeah. stop until you achieve something. So this like tippy toeing, trying to be nice about it is like kind of frustrating because that is the mental health struggle to me. Like it's the fact that it is expected for me to be successful. It is expected for me to buy a house for my mom. It is expected for me to do all of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where the struggle comes from. That's where the, the, the burden comes from. And that's where talking me off the ledge comes from because I can't hold this torch any longer, you know? And so it's like, there's a bit of a frustration with this conversation, right? It's like, even though we are having an amazing liberation with women in this boss status, and I'm, I'm in those comments, I'm in those DMs, I'm, 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 I'm there. It's just quieter on the other side, achieving the exact same thing, right? So, um, and if love is the, the energy that we're saying is magical, then one area is getting a little bit more of it than another. And it's because of one, our ability to receive it. Like one is like, Hey, don't pretend like you're not getting love. One of it is like, you are, you just aren't receiving it. That's a problem, right? Like that's, you're blocking your own version of getting it. Um, you're not seeing that people that are commenting. Um, and the other one is just like, it is quieter. There's this like little, there's this little voice in your head that goes, this is expected of me. This is, this is not an accomplishment. This is what I'm supposed to do. Um, you know, what's fascinating about that too, is something just came up for me is that uh, it's also in this new realm of like what the new expectation is of how to be a man of like being vulnerable, expressing your emotions, being well-connected. It's the equal amount of pressure now to it's And it's not like we're being praised for that either, right? Like it's, it's like do all of these new things, but we're still not going to praise you for it either. Cause you're still supposed to just have it figured out. Um, it, it's, it's pressure on all fronts. And, and Katrina, I'm sure you see this all the time. And uh, in your work with your clients is that it's not just one-sided pressure. It's also now the other side of pressure with men in that you know, there's a requirement of us to be vulnerable now because it's what we're supposed to be doing. There's a requirement to be uh, well-connected and nurturing and loving, like all the things we're trying to work on to be better at, um, it, we're expected to already be there. Um, when like the other side of the equation was women were working so hard to um, be, get boss status and make those changes. And it was so heavily praised uh, and it was so heavily supported in so many ways. Uh, and so now it's like interesting to see how we're not getting that same vibe and how that frustration that Anna was just expressing is very real uh, because uh, we're trying and we're working on it and we're, be, we're just, you know, we're trying to do our best with all of the conditioning we've also gone through. And it's not, I guess, in a way equally being matched in regards to the conversation. 
what, what, what comes well, up for you as we share all of that? Cause that was a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot. I mean, I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm, I'm having this conversation with you. That's why I'm part of like, you know, building men's league. I, I, I think that's why I'm here. Truly. That's why I'm here because, um, and I so appreciate you naming the, the frustration and naming the struggle and the, pre- the pressure. Like I, I, I really appreciate you calling that out in this conversation because I'm all for women, women lifting up women. And I could have, I truly could have gone down that path of like fight for women and, and, and like throw my heart and soul into that. Um, I still feel like I, that, that is an element of my path for sure. Like women rising and, um, I'm all for that, but I don't want it to be us versus them. Like, I don't want it to be like women are rising because men have oppressed us. And then like, you're over there. Like, I really don't want a world like that. And I don't want a world where it's like, well, when we rise up, we sort of like push you further and further down. Um, my ideal is that we like work together. My ideal is that we rise together and that we evolve and grow and learn together. And so that's why I'm here. And that's why I'm taking this approach is to supporting men is that like, I want to create a bridge. Like I want a bridge of like, where are your strengths as a man, as a man? And how do those complement lifting up us up as women, but then how do our strengths as women complement lifting us up as, as men? And like, how do we work with the strengths that we have to support one another to rise instead of there's like this weird oppressive, like dynamic that's going to go on one way or the other. And I mean, I think this leads full circle back is that like, I mean, I've, I've had experiences with men, like I've had experiences with men not treating me well. Um, and I, I, you know, I think it's easy to like be angry at like the white straight male and be like, you've, you know, you've oppressed us for a long time. You've oppressed a lot of people for a long time. I think it's really easy to get fired up about that, but me getting fired up about that doesn't actually do anything like truly, it doesn't do anything to solve the problem. And so I want to be part of the solution. And I think the only solution is like creating space for men to like not carry the burden and not have all the pressure and not be, you know, told that you like can't have an emotion and that like no one cares about you because you've been the oppressors forever. And like, I mean, that's not helpful. That doesn't, that's going to perpetuate more mental health issues, more anger, more violence, all of those pieces. Like it's just not helpful in my opinion. You touch on uh exactly what we wanted to touch on next because we get this question often and first of all i want to appreciate your candidness and honesty in that in that experience and that expression there's a lot to pull out there we could probably do a whole other episode on some of those concepts but one of the things that we really want to pull in and one of the the uh, beautiful parts about having you on this is that you are a woman and we are men and the contrast and perspective and differences of outlook and one of the things that we get asked frequently is how women can support men in this journey, right? Because it's difficult and men don't already, they don't want to accept help regardless of who it's from. But I think a lot of times women feel helpless in the sense of like, how do I, how do I support this? How do I get on board? What are the things that I should be saying or doing? 
and it's complicated. It's definitely complicated. And I know that for me, and even in my partnership, it's been a navigating of what it is that I notice I have big resistance to and what I don't and how accepting I am in certain parts and why I'm accepting. And I know it's a lot of, uh, I would say a mental battle for a lot of men and also a physical, like emotional body battle as well when these things come up. But I think there's a lot women can do. And I think it's so powerful that you uh, are in a men dominant space, right? Like in the, in the space of men's mental health, because we look at all the men's groups we've talked to all the ones that I've been a part of, and it's all men, which is powerful and beautiful and incredible. And I think there's a huge missing element. So I kind of touched on a few things there, but if you could just answer, um, I guess the simplest question of what are ways from your experience and from your uh, background of how women can support this space as well in regards to masculinity and men's mental health and us becoming like this, this new version, I guess, if you will, of masculinity. Yeah, of course. Okay. So the thing that came to me is there, there's like a, there's a line here for women in that, like, this is not giving men permission to treat us poorly. Like we are not in a you know, and, and this is maybe where the fierce part of me comes is that like, I will not tolerate somebody disrespecting me. I'm not going to tolerate a man, like giving him all the excuses and all of the like leeway to like continue to perpetuate like disrespect or like, you know, un unfair behaviors towards myself. So I think for the women out there, we can, we can hold a standard for ourselves where it's like, we're not tolerating that anymore. And there's an accountability that needs to be held to men of like, men, you need to, you do need to do better. Um, however, I think we can bring in a compassionate lens for that. That's not just continuing to be like, you know, we don't care about you and get your shit together. And like, you know, no one, no one cares. Right. Like, I think we can be very compassionate and, and, um, we can give space without giving, without just giving you all the rope to like do whatever you want, if that makes sense. And that's where the line is. And so I think for myself, if I look at my own personal relationships with men, I've had to develop an inner strength over the last like couple of years to hold men accountable, which has taken a lot of work on my part, but like hold men accountable in a kind way, hold men accountable in a compassionate way rather than just being like, it's fine. It's okay. Because when I say like, yeah, it's fine. Then I, again, I sort of, I, I self-sacrifice that like, it's actually not fine. Like what you did to me wasn't fine. And I used to just be a bit of that, like be super compassionate. And so let people like have the space, like, it's okay. I understand. And I used to be too understanding. And then I didn't have my own boundary and my own limit. So I'm going on a bit of a tangent, so let me rein this in. I think we have to hold men accountable. That might take some effort for us and some women uh, on the side of women of like, how do we have firm boundaries, but how do we do that in a kind way? So that might be like, listen, I get that like you made a mistake. Like I, I can, I can be understanding of the fact that you made a mistake or that you like messed up or that you hurt me, but it's not okay. And like, you got to go do something to show me that like, you're willing to like shift, show me that like, 
you know, you're, you're working on whatever is driving this. Don't just say sorry as men. Don't just be like, I made a mistake and do nothing about it. You know, don't just get defensive and, and, you know, dismiss it. Like it wasn't a big deal. Like there, there's some ownership on, on the man's side to be like, yeah, she has every right to hold me accountable. And like, this might elicit my own shame or my own like feelings that I want to be like defensive or whatever, but that's part of my like healing journey. And like, that's part of like, I got it. I do have to do better, but let's do that in a sense of like, we as humans all have to do better. So like, let's be gentle about it and let's see it as like, I'm working on being better and I'm actually committed to doing better instead of like, Oh, well you suck and you're a terrible person and this and that and that and all the like negative diet dialogue that can go on that just like beats you further into the ground does that make sense yeah i think that i I love the fierceness that came through a bit and i could see some passion around this concept it's definitely not the first time you've talking about it which is great and you have uh from what i'm gathering you've been through experiences for sure where it's it's not worked in your favor uh, and it's been difficult. And, and now on the other side of it, it's like, you know, I'm not going to put myself in that position again. So that fierceness comes out of like, I just won't accept that behavior anymore uh, because of the the hurt that it's caused. And so I, I appreciate the, the candidness again, and honesty and vulnerability to go there. And it's a different type of answer. You know, I think that there are a lot of answers out there that are saying, you know, hold safe spaces for them. And, you know, I think a lot of it comes across a little bit coddling and a little bit soft. And what I appreciate about yours is less like, yeah, we could do that. Absolutely. But it might perpetuate more bad, bad behavior. And it might not actually open the gateway for vulnerability because um, of this, like, you know, willingness to let men do whatever they want. And that's not the route we want to go. So I think that accountability and personal responsibility are my favorite concepts. Uh, Radical ownership is how I phrase it. They're my favorite. So I really appreciate that that was brought up. And I think that there are uh, ways about going about that um, in the sense of instead of like, like, I think the way that you framed it was not calling necessarily men out, but calling them forward or calling them up. In, the, in those ways to bigger versions of themselves, better versions of themselves. And this idea of like degradation and disregard and disrespect are all working against the problem. They're not working with the, the possible solutions. So I think I, I just really value the way you phrase that. And uh, I think it just gives different context and, and different approach, if you will. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to add to was, you know, we, there's this, there's this rhetoric out there, this, that it's, it's only, it's only women that can call us up and call us forward. You know, I, in terms of this platform, all the men who are listening, like we are here to hold you accountable as well. This isn't uh, we're not here to dismiss your actions as well. I think men need to step up for other men and, and acknowledge them when they're doing things that are great and, and, and don't be the, don't watch things that are happening that are bad and let them happen. You know, a lot of times it's, it, being in friend groups, if someone comes up to you and there's an action that, you know, isn't something that aligns, it's, it's, it's your duty as a friend to step up and say, dude, that's not cool, you know, and be better, um, you know, and, and for us to hold our friends accountable as well. Sometimes I think, you know, 
men will get into this idea that, you know, women don't understand us. So we don't, we don't, we're not going to take what they have to say, or when they hold the accountability back to us, we're like, ah, whatever, we'll go talk to the boys about it. The boys will have, you know, mixed messaging, and then you kind of continue to go on your way. So I think that on both fronts, this platform, everything that I'm, you know, a part of, it's not just, I want to be a voice to share our frustrations and our, and our, you know, what we're going through for real and not have that dismissed. But on the equal side of the equation, I am not here to stand for, your bullshit either. You know, you have to be accountable for your actions. And if you care about being better, um, then, then you'll hear the advice the right way. And if you don't, then you have things to work on. Right. So, um, I think that it's not just on women for, um, that accountability. I think men need to do a better job of stepping up for men. Um, and that's, that's how I feel about that as well. So just wanted to share that bit. Yeah, hundred percent. And I do appreciate you saying that because I think men have a big role in this too, right? In the in the bringing together of, of how men and women support each other, I do believe men have to hold other men accountable um, in in many ways. Um, I think there's an element here that I was thinking about, like, in, and I think it comes back to the compassionate lens is that if men, if you as men can land at a place where you're like there's some gentleness around the things that you have done or the things that you're not proud and not proud of. Like, so if you can take some ownership of like, I have done some things that like, I wish I could take back, you know, like I, I am not proud of like how I've treated a loved one or, or whatever it is. Um, and in that ownership being like, this is why I like, I want to deal with my own shit so that I don't continue to be in the same place. I don't continue to play out the same like challenges when I'm defensive or protective or whatever it is. Right. And so that's where it's like, it's adopting an element of like gentleness for the fact that like we are going, we're going to mess up and it's not okay, but that's the thing that motivates you to continue to be better from now until the day you die. This isn't like you go to therapy for five sessions and then you're good to go. This is a commitment to working on yourself in a way that's not, in a way that is like, you're always evaluating your actions. You're always evaluating your impact on yourself, on the world, on other people, on whatever it is. And when there's a constant ability to like self-evaluate and self-reflect, it just becomes a part of how you exist in the world. If you believe that it's like, you know, I go to my 10 sessions or my five sessions or whatever, and then like, I'm good. We're going to have the same issues because there's a constant like experience in life of being challenged. Like, you know, I've been, I've been in this field. I've been studying, I have endless tools in my toolbox and they're weekly. I'm challenged where I'm like, yeah, I could freak out and act in my like least evolved self, or I could take a pause and like handle this in a way that I know is like kind, respectful, loving, whatever it is. And like, I'm confronted with that all the time. I always have to consciously choose, like, don't just lash out or like behave in a poor way. And that's the commitment that I think um, this really requires out of like all human beings is that it's not okay to like, you know, do one week of healing. I mean, I'm being a little facetious now, but like, you know, it's not okay to do, to do like, you know, my healing's in this little box and then it's all, all good. 
this is like really a way of existing in the world of like self-evaluation, self-reflection, and like always being mindful of like, oh man, like even if my intentions were good, like all the time I'm like, I had good intentions, but that didn't land well. Like that still came across however it came across. I got to acknowledge that. And rather than like defending my intentions, like, wow, I'm a good person and that, I'm like, I got to hear people out. I got to listen to the feedback. I got to be like, okay, I was like too intense for someone that I got to regulate that. Like, so I'm always taking feedback now in a like compassionate, gentle way of like, this helps me be better. Instead of historically, I would have gone into like self-beration, negative self-talk, you know, shame, whatever it was. And like, been like, I can't do anything right or whatever victim story I would have gone into. So I just think it's, it's like a total mindset shift. Like if you want to truly be better, like you want to show up in a great way, then like, you gotta always be evaluating and listening, listening to the feedback around you, (laughs) like truly listen to other people. just I think the pause there was just letting that all land um, because I think there's just so much there and I think that this conversation has shown that there's like certain pockets that hit so hard that you're like that could be an episode that could be an episode because um, you know just unpackaging you know what I felt when you were talking there was just like there's also this fear of like being judged for like that in that initial feeling. You know what I mean? And like, that's where I think some of the compassion comes from. Like we live in this cancel culture right now where it's like, if you don't have the right words to like actually describe how you're feeling right now, you're like, well, I'm going to get canceled if I say it like that. So I'm just going to like, let's just put that down for five more years and I'll work on the language to get it back up where, you know, the things that I love about some of my best friends and whatever is like, like I'll like almost preface with like, I have not thought this out yet. I'm just giving this to you as raw as it feels to me. And then through that process of just saying it and it's ugly at first and I'm like, okay, cool. And then I find the right words and then, you know, but I know that that person is not going to leave me because of how I said it when it first came out, you know, and I think we live in that fear of whether it's speaking to the world, speaking to your boss, speaking to someone you've just met of like, I don't have the right words right now. And we're so quick to cancel people now. So it's almost worse to even express yourself. It's getting harder and harder and harder to actually share how you feel. Um, we're definitely obviously going to bring you back for another time and we'll unpackage a lot of this, uh, you know, in another um, episode or part two, maybe, but, you know, I did want to kind of lead us into our last question here. You did bring up a, a you, you use the, you know, whether it was a segue or not, you use the term toolbox. I got a lot of tools in my toolbox, which I thought was very interesting for this last question. I want to bring you to a room where this is your last ever patient as a psychologist, you're never going to be a psychologist again. When you leave this room, all your memory of what you have, theories, concepts, all gone. And it's a 16 year old, 17 year old boy entering manhood. And, and, and is, 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 is asking you questions about what does this look like for me? What should I be cautious about? What, what, what advice would you give as your last piece of three piece of advice from everything that you know, from every session that you've sat in on what three pieces of tools are you giving this little boy to navigate the rest of this world oh man oh my god (laughs) nothing like a small question to finish it off hey um 
oh, like that, I like had like a visceral response to that question. Um, that feels heavy. That feels like, whoa, what is like, how am I leaving this, this world? Um, whew, um, I think, honestly, I think my answer is you fiercely protect other people. Like the people in your life are like a rare, I don't know, gemstone that like you need to take care of, you need to protect. Um, and like your role and duty as a man in this world is to like keep, keep your people safe and taken care of. Like, and, and all it is, is like, doesn't mean it's not about money. It's not about like anything. It's about like, these people know that like you have their back. Like you, you will just show up for these people. Um, and I think it blends itself like really to like break down everything, just show up for your people. Like that's your duty. Um, and I'm like very conscious of the fact, like, is there a pressure in that? Um, or is there like an honorability in that? And I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm like starting to like sweat a little. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Um, yeah, what do we need? I, I, I see it as like protect, protect women, like protect other men, like just be like your own little army of people, like fiercely where you like have each other's backs. And that's, that's kind of where I'm landing. I don't even know if I'm articulating that well, but Yeah, I think that something like that. <laughs> I appreciate that. I think that uh, sometimes we don't fully understand the caliber of this question because we've asked it so many times. So we think that uh, in some part of the, the equation, it's like, oh, they've probably thought about this. You know, they've probably thought about what this would look like and what their answers would be to somebody who's coming to this kind of equation. Of course, this is not like an imaginary situation. And then it is. And then this other person who's responding is like, yeah, no, I don't. What did you just do to me? Um, so I, I honor the fact that one, um, we get to have this episode released where people get to watch you go through that processing and they get to see like the, the possibly even emotional shift in you of like, what does this mean to me? and the intentionality that you just gave that. And it didn't matter if it came through articulated perfectly, because I think that it doesn't need to. I do understand there's a pressure to make it kind of sound like it might, but there isn't that. And what I think we're looking for always in that question is just your truth and what really is the stemming drive in, in you to do the work that you do and to be a part of the spaces that you're in. And it just, it, I think that pulls at that. And so we're very grateful that you were able to just kind of be truthful with it and know that, yeah, you know, maybe there is a pressure with that. Maybe there's not. And I don't know. Should we just honor that? I don't know. It just, this just feels right. And you honored that. And that's what I, I think is so beautiful about your answer. So I, I really appreciate that. 
And I actually, to be honest, I think that that was a very insightful answer. I mean, yeah. like if, if you actually think about what you just said in that answer, you, you essentially said, you know, as a, as a, as a man, as a boy, use all of your power to protect everyone that you're around, whether it's through love, through support, through, you know, and then you led that into, you know, protect women, protect men, which is, you know, equally, you know, like it's protect them at equal cost. Don't pick one more than another. And then you wrap that into this concept of, you know, create a small little army, which is what community is, which what we're fighting for in this world is, you know, be the strongest version of yourself, protect all women and all men and create an army of people that are doing the same thing, which is community. And I think that that's a beautiful answer. And I think that if you do go down that, that path of, you know, internalizing that as a way of living life, that you will definitely, definitely see a different version of this world and, and, and this life. So I thought it was a very insightful answer. Mm-hmm. We got more out of it than we thought. You could see your mind like, this isn't enough. I got to give more. It's like, no, you, you gave it, you gave it. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, and Katrina, thank you for being here. Truly. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun conversation almost. Like I think there was an element of fun to kind of dive into some of these things as much as they were like challenging at times. So um, yeah, I appreciate it um, so much. And so just to kind of wrap up the conversation and uh, just kind of let everything land and soak in, if you missed parts, please go back and listen to them because there was a lot of value in this conversation. Uh, but Katrina, you're, you're a busy person. You're active. You're doing a lot. There's some huge things coming in your field. Like uh, there's, there's no shortage of inspiration to gather from you. Uh, I'd love to know uh, if you could share with the people, like, where can they find you and what are you up to and what are you currently building? Yeah. So like, I'm pretty easy to find. I mean, if you type in my name into Google, Katrina Shaw, you're going to find me. Um, so, I mean, obviously you can, you can see my website there and, and contact me professionally that way. Um, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn and all those kinds of things, um, on social, social media. Um, my name is YYC psychologist. I don't post a lot though. Cause well, I don't know. The digital world is exhausting to me sometimes, but, um, uh, but I'm still there sometimes. So give me a follow if you'd like. Um, and yeah, like what I'm working on, obviously I have my private practice. Um, and then I'm, yeah, I'm building this clinic. So I'm, I'm, um, right now, yeah, a few weeks from opening our doors for this, uh, men's specific therapy space. Um, you know, and we also have, uh, other elements of, of our, um, company there with, with men's league is that like, you know, we have an online platform and then like community events and bringing men together, um, in social situations and things like that. Some of the things are, uh, men's only just to honor the integrity of like men's safe spaces. And then, um, other than other events will be like where, you know, the females in men's lives can be part of this and support it and, and come join. So there'll be a mix of that. Um, obviously I'm a huge advocate of, of women being part of the process, um, and for us to work together. Um, yeah. So the therapy clinic is, is, uh, I'm quite excited. It's going to be like my little baby and, and we'll see where it goes. Um, reach out to me by email or anything. If you have an interest in like, um, obviously coming for your own work, but also like, I think just an interest in like being part of it. Um, we're all for like building community and love people to be involved and, um, 
yeah, reach out to me and let's have a coffee and, and see where there's alignment if that's something that's calling out to you. So, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And if you didn't catch it already, uh, I said at the beginning, Katrina is a huge part of Men's League, uh, the new partnership that we have. So make sure you go to mensleague.com and check out everything that they have going on, specifically this clinic upcoming. It might even be open by the time this releases. So that's even more powerful. You, If you live in the city of Calgary, uh, it will be available to you so you can find all that information. And I just want to, again, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for engaging in an honest and vulnerable and uh, tender, but fierce kind of conversation. I really appreciate that. And I think that your character really came out today, which is our hope and aim every time is to just get the real raw version of somebody out in plain sight, just to be, be authentic and true. So thank you for that. And thank you for listening. We appreciate you being here as always. This is another powerful modern mask Ulinity podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, download. This is going to be released on YouTube. So make sure you like this video, comment your favorite thoughts below, and we will see you in the next episode. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe. And if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember, the K, it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week.